0: Welcome to the Campus Lounge Coaching Show with David Carl. We are broadcasting tonight, actually, on the eve of homecoming weekend from Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery, right here on campus. And David Carl is with us, the head coach of the national champion DU Pioneers. Coach, it's good to see you, actually, face-to-face it's been a while
1: we've uh, we've been doing everything on zoom yes far so yeah well it's great to be in person and um, yeah looking forward to tonight
0: well homecoming is always exciting and you've got homecoming uh, this weekend all set for a two-game series with Providence College ranked number 11 in the country off to a 3-0 start and uh, on Saturday night of course uh, the raising of the 22 National Championship banner, uh, the record-tying ninth national title in the history of the program. And uh, that banner will be up in the rafters. And this will be uh, with two games against Providence, the last of uh, what amounts to five straight games against Hockey East opponents. 7 o'clock face-off tomorrow night and uh, 6 p.m. on Saturday night coach and we were just sitting here chatting prior to uh beginning the program and uh, you actually feel this Providence team may provide in many ways even more of a challenge than the UMass team did uh, that beat you yes twice last weekend but under rather weird circumstances as we were discussing prior to the show
1: yeah I think uh Providence is is an excellent hockey team. Um, you know, I, I think they have a lot of people uh, back from last year's team uh, that, that you know almost made the NCAA tournament. So they have a little bit of a spur on their side, and um, you know, a team that we did face last year out in their building on our Eastern swing. And um, you know, again, I just yeah, they they don't have a lot of holes. In their game, um, you can tell that they're they're an older, veteran team. The way they move pucks on the power play, their details on the penalty kill, um, they just they look like they're close to midseason form already. And um, that's a credit to their staff and um, and obviously the, the returning players they have. So um, we're really looking forward to the challenge. Um, you know, in our building, it'll be a great environment with homecoming. Um, I know we'll talk about the banner raising on Saturday. Um, But, you know, it'll be great to be back in Denver, in Magnus Arena, in front of sold-out crowds. Um, We're really looking forward to the challenge, and I think we grew a lot on our weekend out at UMass. Um, You know, we've seen improvement in a lot of areas here in practice um, this weekend, so I think we're better prepared. Uh, to take on Providence than we maybe were last weekend to go on the road to play UMass. So um, in a young season with with a young team, there, there's certainly steps, and and the the setbacks of losing hockey games can can be an accelerator to
0: that growth. Well, uh, you lost two games, four to two and three to nothing. But on Friday night in the four two loss, you get a major penalty in your favor. Yeah, they, they, their guy gets thrown out. You're on a five-minute power play, unlimited scoring, and they score two goals, shorthanded, in in the five minutes. And we were talking about all the goals they scored—the seven of them—and they were either soft or kind of odd in that many, if not all of them, involved things that you don't normally see but that kind of set the tone didn't it for the weekend when you have a five minute power play and they score two goals
1: yeah i mean it was it was odd and and we clearly were not ready for the five minute power play our level of intensity and execution um was not even close to where it needed to be and and they scored two um goals on the kill um albeit like like we talked about kind of odd goals but um you know resulting from our lack of execution and then it did kind of set the tone uh for the weekend some some, like I said some odd goals but uh they were all around the net front you know UMass plays a a, you know in your face kind of chaotic game and um you know again we we weren't fully ready for that and again I thought we got better and adjusted as the weekend went on um particularly into Saturday night but uh, unfortunately we weren't rewarded by our ability to put the puck in the back of the net um, and kind of change the the momentum and, and the dynamic of, of the weekend.
0: When that happens and uh, you have a team that uh, at least in some areas is somewhat inexperienced. And to be fair about it, the forty seven to fifteen shot differential, made things seem as if uh, it was all bad luck and you really dominated the game and peppered their goaltender. And you were telling me, uh, and we all know shots on goal aren't always reflective of the way the game is played. You were saying you weren't quite as dominant as the 47-15 shot differential uh, would suggest. And you actually thought you were better on Saturday night. Than you were on Friday night when you had the forty-seven shots.
1: Yeah, I mean we we definitely felt that. I think I think our level of uh, competitiveness and and getting inside the dots and creating more dangerous looks um, on Saturday were uh, again occurred at a higher frequency. Friday night we definitely generated some chances, um, and you know we I don't think I would tell you one of the good things is we never felt like we were out of the hockey game. Um, you know, even at 4-1, 4-2, you know we're able to get those goals and pulled goalie, power play situations, and you could tell their bench too was was nervous that the game wasn't over either. And so, I mean, it was good to see that fight in the third. We outshoot them twenty two to one. You know, they naturally, I think, take their with a four nothing lead. Yeah, they they, they weren't. Yeah, looking they to take attack. their foot yeah. off the gas a little bit. And um, but there's no doubt. I mean, we had some chances late in the second. Would have been nice to see one of those go in and. Yeah. Um, see what happens going into the third only down three rather than four but um, again it it didn't happen and um, again we've tried to address some of those things this week in practice as well just um, scoring goals getting you know more into the dirty areas and and getting comfortable trying to execute in those areas Um, because again we've we've talked a lot about the youth of the team and especially the forward group and trying to figure out where people are going to fit and how they're going to mesh together and um, you know that that's going to be a work in progress and we're seeing what that looks like right now and um again there's there's a lot of confidence that we're going to get through that and we'll we will find our chemistry and our groove offensively because there's there's too much skill and speed and talent in the room for it not to come um but we just got to continue to stick with it
0: and we know that uh, you'll have an eastern trip next year but you will be playing in a, in a place that, uh, how should I put it, is a little more accessible than Amherst, Massachusetts uh, might be. And your, your whole schedule will be different and a little bit easier to navigate. But again, moving to Saturday night's game, they get a crazy bounce off the end wall on their first goal. So again, they're up early under unusual conditions.
1: Yeah, first, uh, first shifts, first shot um, of the game and you know, again, I liked our, uh, liked our start and yeah, it was a, a shot from the, the boards on the half wall that right. kind of ricocheted off someone and off the end wall and off the net and off the back <laughs> of Magnus's leg. And, um, you kind of sit there and you just shake your head a little bit. And, um, you know, but again, our guys didn't, we didn't go no. away and, no. um, we definitely had some opportunities. Um, you know, I give their goaltender a lot of credit. They, they, you know, he played ex- excellent, uh, and they did make things hard on us um, in our offensive zone and in their D zone. So they're a really good hockey team. Uh, they play well to their identity. It was a great weekend for us to grow. Um, you always want results, but at the end of the day, you want to be getting better, and sometimes you need to be punched in the face to to, to learn some of those lessons and, and to improve.
0: We, we've talked. Before even in the two programs we've done. If you live here in Colorado uh, this year, uh, we've talked about uh, how you like to schedule tough teams early. And if there's going to be uh, some rough edges, you want to get them smoothed out. Uh, You're you're playing good teams. You're playing teams out of hockey east, which next to your league is annually pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of the time,
1: yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think you—it's um, it, a great way to test yourself early um, to get the season going. There's no ramp up; um, you're right into the action. And yeah. um, ultimately, and in, in the way the computer rankings work, um, you get rewarded big time for for beating really good teams. And yeah. if you happen to lose the games, especially on the road, they don't hurt you as badly yeah. in the pairwise. Um, as would losing to um, a team that's, you know, in the bottom 10 or bottom 15 um, in the national ranking. So, um, again, it's it's high reward with, with low risk, and, and you get the opportunity to, to test yourself and see where different people are at uh, within the lineup. And so I think that's the that's a lot of the reasoning in why we want to schedule um, a competitive non-conference um, schedule for our team.
0: Were there bright spots uh, whether individually or collectively, that you can point to and readily identify coming out of the two games?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked our response, um, our staff and our, our players. They, I think they recognized um, the more complete effort that we had on Saturday night. And, and we, again, it it's, it's never a great thing when you don't get rewarded, um, especially after – you improve on some things from one night to the next but um, again I think the belief is there and um, we were forced to, to get outside of our comfort zone and do some things a little bit harder and in the long run that's going to be a, a net benefit for us um, as we talked about after the game Saturday if, if we play to that level on on a regular basis um we're gonna win a lot of hockey games this year and so um it's just continuing to stick with it and trusting in in our process of of trying to get better day-to-day and week-to-week so yeah there there was good things certainly from the weekend and, and what we can grow from
0: and you said even before you played a single game a couple of weeks back that offensively it would take some time to get coordinated so i'm assuming you weren't shocked in at least one of the first four games, you aren't able to score a goal?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, um, yeah, we're we're trying. There's a lot of new people playing, returners playing in new positions, and then new people – um, trying to figure out exactly, you know, how we play and reading off certain things. So, um, there's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of one-on-one video. There's a lot of uh, video on Monday to, to go over Saturday. I mean, as we get later in the year, we're not showing Saturday team video on Monday morning. We're, we're really just showing adjustments on Saturday morning from Friday to Saturday. And so, um, it's an opportunity right now to continue to teach and, and try and, um, set the standards and uh, make sure that the the players and our staff are, are living up to those and, and trying to improve, like I said, on a day-to-day uh, basis so that we can, you know, and again, our next test is this Friday night against Providence. We get to see uh, what we learned from the past weekend, what we got better at in practice this week, and um, we're going to get out and put our best foot forward in front of a sold-out building.
0: Uh, you didn't really get a chance last weekend to uh, uh, kill penalties a great deal, but I know they have something like a 40% conversion rate on their power play here early in the season. Um, They're not going to stay there, but it's good power play. And that will test a unit that for you, even in your championship year last year, was below 80%, and I know that's not where you ever want to
1: be. No, um And, yeah, you're right uh, about Providence Power Play. I mean, they execute at a high level. I think the biggest bright spot probably through the first four games is, um, you know, our our, uh, discipline and and not taking and having to pray to the penalty box. A carryover
0: from last year. Yeah, exactly. In the Frozen Four where you basically were hardly penalized at all.
1: Yeah, and we struggled with that a lot last year. I mean, to, I think. Throughout the whole year, um, you know, we keep track of taking zero bad penalties in a game, yep. and um, to find that as as undisciplined or selfish, and of forty some games, we only got it like five or six times, and. This year in the first four games, we feel like we've gotten at all four games. So we've kept um, at two PKs yeah. per game. I think one right. maybe had three. Right. And so when you're killing to that level, it, it makes it a lot easier um, to kill those off. And um, so I, it, the discipline and our stick detail in our angling and our checking has been really a uh, one of the, the bright spots of our group so far. And uh, obviously that will need to continue as we
0: play quality opponents. Um, uh, you are... Penalty killing units are they pretty much set or are you still experimenting?
1: Yeah, I would tell you everything's a work in progress. Um, You know, we're not fully healthy yet. Obviously, Webster and Thompson are still out. Those are both guys that um, could factor in um, in both special teams and um, you know and and make differences. Obviously, five on five as well. So, you know, the way we kind of look at it's a good opportunity for. Um, maybe guys who wouldn't necessarily get the opportunity on special teams to showcase themselves and make it hard for us to take them off or not take them off at all um, come the return of of two very good players that that we hope will be back in the lineup here um, on a week-to-week basis
0: at all concerned about the fact that uh, I think I have this right you were telling me eight periods between five on five goals yeah, I mean, eight periods you've now gone without a five-on-five. Five. Yeah, it's
1: been since the first period against Maine yeah. um, that we scored a five-on-five five goal, and um, you know, so yeah, again, like we talked about, it is it. I would say, yeah, that's surprising that that yeah. we've gone eight periods. Um, you know, we knew there'd be some struggles offensively, um, but did we think we'd go eight periods without a five-on-five five goal? Probably not. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean we didn't have chances. And um, again, I, I've actually. We've probably been impressed by the the quality of chances and and the shot output that we've had in the last eight periods, and particularly the last six periods against UMass. Um, But it's finding a way to bear down on those chances and and make life on the goaltender a little bit more challenging. And and again, those are things that that we address this week um, in practice and, and hopefully see some growth in that when it comes to game time tomorrow night.
0: The NCHC has been, almost from its inception, the strongest league in all of college hockey five seven and two against non-conference opponents so far this year does that surprise you
1: um, yeah I think it does um, and I think this past weekend was was a challenging weekend uh, for the league obviously and um, you know the, the reason why we've been able to get five and six teams in is um, you know we we've Done well on these types of weekends, and between us, North Dakota and Duluth, I think we went 0-5 and um, 1 against UMass, Mankato, and uh, Quinnipiac. So yeah. another big weekend for the league. St. Cloud uh, has Mankato in. We obviously have Providence, Minnesota, and North Dakota are playing each other. So um, you know, for the for the benefit of the league, we're we're all NCHC fans when it comes to non-conference play, and um, hopefully we can do a better job this weekend as a league taking care of business. Um, to, to get our RPI and our pairwise numbers up um, to try and maximize the number of teams in the
0: national tournament come April. You're the national champion, so you know you have a target on your back every time you go out this year. Yeah. Does the league collectively have a sort of target on its back given the championships that Duluth has won recently? Uh, you, you've won a couple, yeah. fairly recently uh, with you as the head coach and with uh, Monty as as the head coach. Do you feel even beyond your own situation that the league now is going to get everyone's best yeah. effort because the league has been so dominant against non-conference opponents?
1: Yeah, and it's been that way for – I mean, you may mention of it. We track the stats because we use it in recruiting – um yeah, we, but, I'll but bet you do. we have we have the number one um, non-conference record in the country. I think it's seven of the last eight years, and right. um, in the years we didn't get it, we finished second. So we, I think we've always had that as a league. Um, you know, so I I don't necessarily think it. I think what teams probably think when they're playing teams in our league is that they know they have to bring it um, night in and night out against us, and um, obviously we found a. a a real good path to success. I think, you know, we're winning at 65 to 700, um, which again, like we talked about, enables a minimum usually of four teams. And then you get the odd year where you get five or six in um, like we've had in years past. So um, I do think it, you know, this is definitely an important weekend though for the league. We can't have two weekends in a row um, on a results basis when you look big picture um, like we had this, this past weekend.
0: You brought it up, so I'll ask you, how strong a point is it on the recruiting trail that yeah. the league not just your program but the league has been as strong as it's been
1: yeah when we're in i mean when we're in recruiting battles with um teams from other conferences we we hammer at home all the time and um you know we hear from kids a lot that they want to play in the nchc there's there's statistics out there that um you know, correlation from success at, a, at an amateur level to, to the NHL level. Um, the NCH is the best amateur league in the world. Uh, at predicting success at the NHL level and so we have those statistics we share that data Um, I think the only leagues ahead of us would be the KHL the Swedish elite league and and uh, the American league right and then fourth on that list is the NCHC so it's it's if you want to play at the highest level of pro um, playing in our league is um, is really advantageous and beneficial and and we're not shy and I know other coaches in our league (laughs) are not shy about sharing that information and um, I think the one thing you'll you know I'm we're, we're pretty we have healthy rivalries but we do cheer for each other when we're not playing each other and um, you know I think that's that's kind of started with the leadership from the top from Josh Fenton and now to Heather Weems um, there's definitely a collective unity that our league feels and um, where when one of us does well it benefits all of us and um, so we definitely sell our story in a, in a big time way and, and I know we're not the only school in our conference doing that
0: well I remember particularly at the Frozen Four in your game against Michigan all the announcers talked about was Michigan's seven first round yeah. draft choices and they seemed not so much surprised by the end of the game that you won in overtime but that you carried the play certainly through at least the first period and probably should have been ahead by two or three goals instead of merely being ahead by one. And uh, your guys were knocking down some of those seven first-round draft choices, playing a more physical brand of hockey, playing more like guys who were on the verge of being able to play professionally than their seven first-round draft choices were.
1: Yeah, I think, um, again, I, I think that's a reflection of the league and, and how we prepare one another. Um, you know, when you, when you're, you look at your schedule and you have St. Cloud, North Dakota, and Duluth, uh, six straight games, you know, you're, you're going to learn what you're made of and, and you're going to get better by playing against those teams. And, Um, you know, we always talk about at the frozen face-off, the best news uh, after the frozen face-off is that you don't have to play an NCHC team in the first round, and, um, you know, you look at, like, we haven't lost an NCAA first-round game, I believe, since uh, 2014 when we lost to Boston College. That's unbelievable. Um, Duluth yeah. is on a similar run to that. Yeah. Um, and so the the proof's in the pudding um, in that we prepare each other at a really high level. And I think that's where that healthy respect comes. Um, there's definitely boils over at times. Um, but generally, we prepare each other really well to play in the NCAA tournament, get to frozen fours, and, and we've won um, – Five of the last six championships. Right,
0: right. This is the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl. We're broadcasting from Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery tonight. And when we come back, uh, we're going to have a little bit later on, Massimo and Mike on. And they will have their opportunities to talk about you. But when we come back, we're going to give you the opportunity to talk about them perfect and i think they're hanging around here somewhere so uh whether they hear this or not uh it'll be your chance to uh say what you will about them and then they'll have well we're all about equal time
1: here yeah yeah. so uh, totally we'll fair. come
0: back and uh, talk with uh, david carl moore about uh, two of his stars massimo rizzo uh, the sophomore center and the junior defenseman and uh much decorated Mike Benning. That's next on the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl from Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery. This is the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl broadcasting from uh, Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery and uh, before we get to uh, Massimo Rizzo and Mike Benning in just a few moments we're going to give the coach an opportunity uh, to talk about uh, these two rather Remarkable players, of course, national champions last year. Uh, Mike, as a sophomore defenseman uh, a year ago, uh, much decorated, and uh, perhaps the greatest honor for Mike was being named Most Outstanding Player at the Frozen Four.
1: Yeah, that's quite an accomplishment. Only not not too many people get not to be named that. Not too so many people have uh, no, and he earned
0: uh, it. Won that without you know being. Regularly acclaimed as uh, uh, big-time draft picks and future NHL stars. Uh, Mike may very well have that in his future. But the, th- the thing about these two guys that strikes me, Mike goes 5'9", 180, right? Massimo goes 5'10", and 175. And yet, pound for pound, they're two of the toughest guys in college hockey.
1: Yeah, no, um, they are for sure. And, um, you know, Mike. Mike's defensive game, I think, is the biggest thing that stands out as what he's improved. And, yes. Um, he's really hard to play against. And I think we, um, we're we real proud of Mike for for the improvements that he's made in that and making himself a more complete player. And the offensive has always been there. He's won a lot of um, awards coming up through uh, minor hockey, through – uh, junior hockey, and, and now at our level, he's being recognized for for similar things. But I think he's he's rounding out his game in a big time way, which which potentially gives him an opportunity, um, to play in the NHL and to stay in the NHL someday.
0: The 15 goals is obviously very impressive. Yeah, we uh, like it when Mike defenseman. shoots the puck. Yes, yeah. it's and a good thing when Mike that's has a, it, always a good thing when Mike shoots the puck. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, As as you say, his defensive game has picked up. How have you managed him along those lines? Um, I
1: think it's, you know, first and foremost, you need the player to want to get better um, at things and and to grow their game. And, you know, Mike has done that um, through his first two seasons and um, a lot of meetings, you know, video meetings with Mike. And, you know, he he always wanted more, uh, wanted to be challenged, wanted to play in defensive situations wanted to be on the ice more and so I think that part um, just stemmed from really honest conversations and watching video about okay if you want to do these things and this is these are the areas you need to improve upon and then it's it's a credit to Mike um, he's gone out and done that and um, you know he's he's tough in corners he's tough at his net got a really good defensive stick and and I think what, yeah. what makes life easy for easier for him is, is his ability to then break pucks out, which he's always been able to do. Um, but if he can break the puck cleanly out or transition the puck north quickly, um, then we're not defending as much. Um, and, and that's also been a, a big credit to, to him and, and why his game is so efficient.
0: Uh, Lee and Benning have been a great defensive pairing for you, haven't they? They yeah. really complement each other.
1: Yeah, no, they do. And, um, and you'll see Mike out there with, you know, we talked about our five returning, D, right. Um, that played a lot of minutes for us last year. And so you'll see them out there with different people and, and Mike and shy played a lot. Um, right. shy and played a lot together yep. last year as well. And, um, you know, you'll see them on the power play, um, this right. weekend together, sure. um, as you did on Saturday against UMass. And they've, they've got a little bit of a connection in chemistry as well. And, um, so yeah, I think Mike, Mike, again, he's a smart hockey player. So he has an ability to play with different people. Um, which makes life as a coach um, a little bit easier.
0: Uh, we'll get to uh, Massimo in a second, but uh, do you remember what it was like recruiting Mike?
1: Oh, it was a pain. <laughs> was a pain. He's listening, yeah, you know, just know. a few feet away. Don't be heard. So, yeah. um, no, it was, uh, it was a good process. Uh, Mike comes from a family, um, you know, truthfully similar to mine. I, where
0: It's an amazing family Yeah, when no, you think is. as is yours.
1: Well, not that way. But yeah, Mike's the NHL pedigree in, in the Benning family is yes. incredible. And yes. um, but what I was alluding to was just the thoroughness of the decision-making process. And Mike yeah. and Car- or uh, Brian and Caroline yeah. um, really guided Mike through that, and I think in a mature way. And um, there was a lot of family meetings at the dinner <laughs> table to go over pros and cons of yeah. Denver and other schools and programs. And yeah. um, you know, it, it was it was a longer process, but obviously worth the wait. And um, I do remember Tavis meeting. I believe it was a Tim Hortons up in Canada. He was meeting Mike, and um, sure. he, he texted and he said, "You know, I think this might be the day that he commits. And if he doesn't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some pressure on him." And uh, which is unlike Tavis and, uh, <laughs> right. to do that. And, and Mike, Mike came out and, and said, "Tavis, I want to be a pioneer," and, yeah. and shook his hand. But um, the very first time uh, we watched Mike play, and uh, he was playing Bantam. we were Monty and I were up in Alberta. And uh, Monty had coached Mike's older brother, uh, Matt in Dubuque, and we went and watched Mike play um, a Bantam game, and he was the best player on the ice. But he was even—he was probably five foot two at that time, and. Um, you know, that's kind of when it all started. But, but Monty having the relationship with, with Brian and Caroline from coaching right. Matt and Dubuque was, was a huge thing for us. And, um, you know, we're fortunate that Mike wanted to, to still come here even though Monty left. And, um, you know, we, we feel like he's, he's grown a lot as a person and as a player.
0: Quickly on uh, Massimo Rizzo, uh, amazing to me that he basically the year before last didn't play any hockey.
1: Yeah, because you, of yeah.
0: the pandemic and, yep. and in the uh, British Columbia Hockey League,
1: yeah, I mean, they shut
0: things down.
1: A lot of our recruits were able to play. They were down in the USHL, and right, um, that was in the Midwest US, so things were a little bit looser um, in that regard around the pandemic. And yeah, Mass was up in BC and um, not able to play hardly at all. I mean, they were having closed door, um, you know, secret skates and and doing stuff <laughs> to try and get on the ice and. Um, you know, and when you, he comes in, uh, Massimo's been, you know, top of his age group uh, for a really long time, and in, in in his young career, he's a and,
0: captain when he was 17 years old. Right? Yeah,
1: yep, yeah, no, he was in, in Penticton, and um, yeah. and then for for him, he dealt with some injury and and some setbacks, and had some adversity, and um, you know, he's coming in, and you don't really know fully what you're going to get based on the year and and the injuries that he had, and. Um, just a real professional in how he takes care of himself and his body and um, was able to come in and found instant chemistry with Mazur and Wright. and uh, Amazing those th- chemistry. Yeah. And that
0: became your second line.
1: Yeah, those three were really, um, you know, together all year. It, it happened fairly quickly, and um, what a great addition to our program. And, um, you know, I would tell you exceeded expectations um, from what, you know, we describe and talk about from his experience the, the 12 to 18 months prior to joining us. Um, but I think, again, a lot of that credit goes to who he is as a person, how he has raised his dedication to the game and, and wanting to get better and, and how detailed he is in what he does.
0: Well, uh, this is the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl, but uh, we are going to let you go and bring your two players in here and talk with them for a few minutes. And uh, I don't think you got yourself in too much trouble uh, no, uh, with so. them, but they will have an opportunity to uh, speak. Uh, about you and uh, about uh, why they came to DU and what it's like to play as a sophomore, in Mike's case, and in Massimo's case, as a freshman for a national championship team. Uh, David, thank you. I'll see you this weekend.
1: Look forward to it. So do I. Thank you, Sandy. And,
0: of course, it is homecoming weekend here on the Hilltop, and we'll talk with Massimo Rizzo and Mike Benning next Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl, broadcasting from Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery tonight. KKFN HD3 Longmont, Denver. Home of the Denver Pioneers. And we continue now on the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl. Here as we broadcast from Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery, homecoming weekend, Providence providing the opposition tomorrow night, starting at 7, Saturday night at 6. Sandy Clough alongside uh, Massimo Rizzo and Mike Benning, uh, two of the more celebrated members of DU's National Championship squad last year. Uh, Mike back this year as a junior, Massimo as uh, a sophomore, and I guess uh, the first and most obvious question is what's it been like as a national champion over the last six or seven months?
2: Um, it's been pretty surreal. I mean, um, the way the city celebrated us and the school celebrated us, is pretty special. Just the support we got from everyone and um, just spending it with their teammates and, and being able to take that all in has been pretty special.
0: Mike, for you, uh, you're, you're, you're a little older than Massimo. Uh, you you were a sophomore last year, but uh, being not only a national champion, but the most outstanding player at the Frozen Four, uh, what's it been like for you? How life-changing an experience has it been for you?
3: Yeah, like like Mass said, like it was surreal. Um, it was obviously awesome there to have like family and friends. Uh, just being in the rink, um, it was it was one of the more probably the most special moment in my uh, hockey career so far. And, you know, just the most outstanding player. That's just kind of the cherry on top. That's not really what I was shooting for, but, uh, you know, we got the ring and, you know, that's just kind of the cherry on top uh, after it. So, yeah. Uh,
0: This past summer, uh, you both were honored many times, just a few days after the national championship here at Magnus. Uh, You were made a part of, of uh, what has not happened uh, in hockey in one city since 1972. And it actually was a little better here because not only did you have the Avalanche as Stanley Cup champions and you as national champions uh, of the NCAA, but you had Denver East as a national champion. You had a Pee Wee team as a national champion as well. And all of you were involved in that championship championship parade before tens even hundreds of thousands of uh, people and now you've got homecoming this weekend do, do you still pinch yourself about all that you've experienced in this last half year
3: mike we'll start with you yeah it's it's been awesome like just it's honestly like a city of champions so yeah honestly, hockey champions yeah, for sure yeah exactly you know uh the avs Obviously, a huge win for them, and, you know, the parade was awesome. I didn't get to experience it. I was at home, but uh, the guys here said it was probably one of the best days of their life. Um, you know, the whole city celebrating uh, all the teams that won, and yeah. it was, it's it been really cool. So
0: That may never happen again, Massimo, in one city where you have four teams, four hockey teams on different levels, all champions in the same year yeah Uh, what's it been like for you i mean you come in as a freshman and we were talking with coach about the remarkable uh, fact that you because of the pandemic didn't really play hockey the year before and when you played your first game last year would have been about 18 months
2: yeah i mean obviously couldn't have asked for a better year um especially with the group of guys we got but I think the Avs and all the teams did a great job of uh, celebrating together. It's not like just because they're the Stanley Cup champions, but they did a good job of uh, celebrating with us and including us and everything. But, yeah, again, um, such a special year, and um, it was so much fun to do it with these guys.
0: You were born and grew up in Burnaby, British Columbia, right? Correct, yeah. Now, there's a certain guy here that I think wore number 19 coming out of Burnaby, and he was a pretty good player for the avalanche and i don't know whatever happened to him but uh i i think he might still be involved in the organization and you know i'm speaking of joe Sakic, yeah. uh somewhat facetiously but uh if you grew up in burnaby you had to know who Joe Sackick was, right?
2: Yeah, there's a street named after him. Yeah! <laughs> five minutes from my house. So. <laughs> um, definitely one of the greats that, that came out of Burnaby. And so growing up, you always know um, who Joe was and um, definitely a, a special player. So, You wear
0: number 13. Yeah. Unlucky number 13, but it hasn't been unlucky for you. I mean, why, it, well, when did you come to wear number 13, or why did you come to wear number 13?
2: Yeah, in the Italian culture, it's actually a lucky number. So, it is a yeah.
0: lucky number yeah. in the Italian culture. Yeah.
2: And um, but growing you know. up, I mean, I'm born June 13th. Um, Pavel Datsyuk was my favorite player growing sure. up. Sure. Yeah. So sure. Those are some of the reasons why I picked that number, and um, yeah, I've been going with that.
0: Pavel Datsyuk is a pretty good player. Uh, for Avalanche fans, kind of a thorn in the in the side for many years. Uh, but you like the Sedine twins, right? Growing up in close yep. to Vancouver, anyway. Those were my two favorite yeah. um,
2: Vancouver Canucks. So me and my dad were always going to the games and just watching them. And uh, I mean, being from Vancouver, got to like meet them um, once or twice and talking to them. They're they're special players, but they're really good people away from the rink too. So yeah. um, that's pretty
0: awesome. Mike, what was it like for you growing up? Uh, it's a lot of
3: competition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you
0: played in a world junior tournament, didn't you, with Massimo?
3: Yeah, we did. So you
0: guys knew each other before you played together at you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, up in Dawson Creek there. Yep. We, yep. Uh, it was really cold up there, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we got to, you know, know each other a little bit before we got to DU, so.
0: And you played with and uh, Savoy and, uh. Matty Davis. Matt Davis, right? Yeah. A bunch of the. Bunch of the guys.
3: Yeah, so it, honestly, it was it was nice. <laughs> these guys come in, you know, we already knew them, so you know, it was, wasn't awkward. You know, it was comfortable with us meeting them, and catching up. So it was more like a reunion when they came.
0: So, how were you recruited, uh, David? Was telling the story uh, a few minutes ago, and I mean, obviously, you're a much decorated uh, player um, throughout your hockey career so far and i imagine there was a great deal of competition what made the difference in the end because uh as i recall jim montgomery was the head coach at the time that you were recruited yeah and of course jim montgomery left and he's now the head coach of the boston bruins Uh, seems like the perfect guy uh, in the perfect place at the perfect time but how did you come to choose denver when there were other choices you could have made
3: Uh, Well, my brother actually was coached by Jim Montgomery in Dubuque, and he said he was the best coach he's ever had. Right. So obviously that's intriguing for me and my family. Um, And, you know, we we always discuss the pros and cons in our family, just what's the best scenario and stuff like that. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of cons about Denver. Um, It was all pros. And, you know, coming down to my final decision, um, Denver hockey being the main sport here at du and that was kind of the main driver for me um you know being more focused sport and you know my family was a huge supporter and you know being you know the main picture and you know they helped me through and obviously my mom liked the the education here as well so uh you know she was a big say in that and wanted me to get my schooling done but uh yeah it's it's kind of just going throughout um my parents brother they've been huge influencers and you know it was honestly kind of a team decision coming here so
0: you're part of a great hockey family right (laughs) i i mean from your earliest days i'm i'm sure you were cognizant of that but at the same time maybe that put a little pressure on you is is that fair or was it easier for you being part not only of a hockey community but a hockey family
3: yeah like it, it for me it put more pressure uh for sure naturally yeah, yeah just naturally you know it's you know it's a name that people know um in my community and right. in the Edmonton area um with my dad his brothers um you know it put a lot of pressure on me and it's for me to kind of you know make my own path in the name um and just kind of you know not disappoint it and keep on improving as a person and as a player. So um, you know I think that kind of motivates me to get to the next level and stuff. So.
0: Who were some of the players that you followed most closely, uh, tried to emulate maybe, at least in terms of your style of play? I mean, we mentioned you scored 15 goals last year. You've obviously always had a flair for offense, and it was your defense that actually – probably needed to be improved more than your offense did uh tell us about your development as a defenseman and of course offensive defensemen are now commonplace uh in hockey um i'm old enough to have remembered watching bobby orr play and watching him play in person even though i was a new yorker and he beat the rangers uh quite consistently over the years. But now those kinds of defensemen, whether it's Cale McCarr of the Avalanche or uh, uh, Yossi, uh, uh, they, they all have that flair, but you are encouraged to develop your defensive game. Is that the thing that's improved the most for you and has allowed you to become what you turned out to be last year—the most outstanding player at the Frozen Four.
3: Yeah, you know, I think that coming in here, uh, the coaches, other people, told me that my offensive game was there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think the thing I needed to prove on was my defensive game. And over these last couple of years, I really took some dedication into that and focusing on improving that part of my game. Um, and obviously, if you can defend, you play more offense. So, uh, yeah. you know, that really struck me and. You know, I I look at when I was younger, like Drew Doughty. Um, yeah, oh he was, sure. He was really good at both ends of the ice. Of and, course. You know, I think he, Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, yeah, A couple times. Yeah. So yeah. and he was he was unreal in that. And you know, I think now in the modern day, I think that like Adam Fox and oh um, sure, yeah, those okay. guys those guys I kind of modeled my game after, and you know, I want to like strive to be like them.
0: So. Yeah. how do you improve defensively you're not huge you're five nine, about 180 so it's not necessarily about putting people on their backs or crashing them through the boards all the time but it's angles right and how to use your stick because you guys I thought defensively used your sticks as well as any team in the country throughout the season last year and it was especially apparent during the during the postseason run you had
3: yeah, like as a smaller defender, um, you know, s- sticks and body position is probably the most important thing of it. And you know, if a big guy gets body position on you, you're kind of toast. So um, that's kind of you know the most, I guess, important thing for me um, in my defending. Um, and you know, obviously, foot speed, you know, getting faster and stronger, um, that always helps. So
0: yeah, that's pretty much it. Massimo, you're 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 kind of. the the reverse of Mike in in some ways where your defensive game even as a forward stood out and all of a sudden last year your offensive game seemed to blossom but again what I noticed about you last year especially in the tournament was that at 5'10 175 pound for pound you were the toughest guy on the ice and you didn't mind playing that way And D.U. was not necessarily known as a physical team, but you went up against Michigan and Minnesota State and stood toe-to-toe with them. How did you do that?
2: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of credit to Shazi, too, and getting stronger in the weight room. But I think it's just wanting to compete, and especially in a stage like that, like you want to win every battle and do everything you can to win. So, um, you know, our team battles really hard in practice, and uh, we push each other a lot in practice to get us ready for the games, and I think that helps a lot.
0: How did the chemistry develop last year, uh, not only with Mays, another freshman, but with uh, Cameron Wright?
2: Um, I think it was easy with Mays. Uh, we were roommates up in the dorms, so yeah. um, we saw each other every day. But um, And then Cam coming in as a fifth year, he was a new guy too. So um, I think once we got on the ice together, we were all comfortable with each other, and we had a lot of communication and dialogue of uh, what works and what doesn't work. So. And then just just practicing together, and uh, it translated on the ice. And I think we just had a good job of having fun out there and
0: and doing our thing. The bigger the games, the better both of you played, it seemed like. And you were on the second line uh, by the time the tournament rolled around. How, as freshmen, did you make that rapid an adjustment, especially for you not having played the year before? Yeah, I think coming there was in... There's no transition, seemingly. You right. played like a senior.
2: Right. Freshman year, um, you don't really know what to expect, but, I mean, every player who comes in, they, they obviously want to do their best, and um, I think our coaches did an unbelievable job of communicating with us and exactly, like, what, what they wanted from us, so um, I think once the season started going, things got rolling, and um, we started building off, I mean, my line chemistry and our team did so good together, too, so... Um, And then once we got to the tournament, we were kind of firing all all cylinders, and, uh, yeah, things just worked out well for us. You're an
0: inside-the-dots guy, aren't you?
2: I try to be, yeah. That's definitely something, uh, you know, coaches
0: preach and uh, something you want to do as a player. But sticking your nose into those high-traffic areas when you aren't the biggest guy playing in those high-traffic areas, uh, I take it it's always the way you've played, but it's unusual for somebody at 175 to be especially effective in in those areas you're you're not floating around on the periphery you're right right where the action is
2: yeah i think a lot of goals are scored um right around the net too so um especially in big games right right so just getting getting in there and and getting physical and um being strong in your stick i mean um definitely like i said there's a lot of pucks in there and a lot of chances to score and make plays so that's kind of why we do it Uh,
0: preparation is big to you isn't it yeah very big how did that come about exactly um, in, in your your hockey life um, how did that become so important to you and how on earth did you manage to uh, for not having played a game for a year and a half retain your physical conditioning and your form
2: right I think I'm a, I'm a guy who likes routine so um, just find a routine that works and um, kind of wanted to always push myself to be better and get better every day. And, um, whether that's nutrition or sleep or, um, video, um, just trying to do everything you can t- t- to get better. So, especially when we weren't playing games, um, trying to do other things that can help you stay, uh, stay ready to go.
0: What's it been like for both of you and Mike will let you go first playing for David Carl?
3: Yeah, he's, uh, he's an awesome guy. Um, he pushes us on and off the ice, so be a better person to be a better player and uh you know he he holds us accountable he doesn't have favorites he uh he treats everyone the same so um, that's all you can really ask as a player
0: Massimo, what's it been yeah like i think for you
2: yeah i mean the standards are set pretty high here so yeah. um everyone's aware of that and um, dc and all of our coaches are unbelievable at, at the communication side of things and um you know, they're not, you know, we're not intimidated by them. They're really good at communicating, making us feel comfortable. So um, when you have coaches like that where you get along with them and you like them and you want to play for them, it makes it a lot easier.
0: I've never heard any player since David took over as head coach mention his age. And last year, I believe Ryan Barrow was 25 years old, yeah. right? And David was seven years older. I've never seen that kind of dynamic in college hockey but you guys never talk about it it's not an issue why isn't it an issue or it's it's seemingly never been why why is that i I just you want to take a shot mike at that
3: i just i just don't think there's like an excuse to say like oh he's a young coach like i think he's he's been just as knowledgeable and more have experience like he was a player he right he played the game he knows what position we're in Um, I think he has just as much intel that let's say like the guy in Duluth or something like that sure so sure you know I think that I think it's a respect thing from us
0: um, yeah
3: and he respects us and we respect him so that's just kind of that yeah
0: yeah same for you yeah I agree with Mike
2: yeah I mean um, DC was obviously a great player growing up and right after his college career he started getting into coaching so that's not like he hasn't been a coach for um, too long but um, yeah, we we
0: definitely love playing for him, and he's a great guy. So age has never been a problem. We'll come back with Massimo and Mike and uh, have a final word as we continue from Magnus Arena's Breckenridge Brewery here on campus. The Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl continues. Sandy Clough with you and Massimo Rizzo and, of course, Mike Benning, our guests on the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with uh, David Carl. We're broadcasting from Magnus Arena tonight, the Breckenridge Brewery, and things will be very festive at about this time tomorrow night. You'll be uh, opening a two-game set with Providence College. But on Saturday night, uh, the banner gets raised, the ninth championship banner. And uh, Mike, again, we'll start with you. What's that going kind to of feel like, do you imagine, on Saturday night, on homecoming weekend, as the banner is raised to the rafters?
3: Yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. I've never never had this uh, moment happen, so I'm, I'm really excited. Probably going to get some butterflies, and i yeah. um, super excited to battle with uh, the team that we got against Providence. So.
0: And Massimo, you guys were talking during the break about how uh, some of the guys will be back, right? for the uh, ceremony on on Saturday night. What's it going to mean to you?
2: Yeah, it's going to be super special. I mean, um, seeing the banner go up will be a pretty unreal feeling. I mean, we just got our rings, too. So just seeing those two things really helps it set in, because obviously it's such such an amazing accomplishment that um, things like that help it really set in for you and how cool it was and how amazing it was with the guys.
0: Sometimes it is said in sports that when you win a championship, there's a hangover the next year. Why do you two think, uh, Massimo, will start with you this time, that that won't happen to DU this year? Do you feel as hungry as you did a year ago at this time to win again?
2: Yeah, I would even It's say, hard to win two in a row. Yeah, I mean, I would say we're almost even hunger. Um, we want to be the first ten, team to ten, ten, uh, 10 championships. Yes! So. Yeah. Um, we're all looking forward to that, and we recruited really well. We got a good freshman class, and yeah. um, all the guys coming back. We have an unbelievable group, so I think we're all excited and eager to get it.
0: Mike, do you feel as hungry as you did a year ago at this time for a championship? Uh, Yeah, like, like Mass, said, we're going for 10. I mean, targets on your back every, every weekend. Yeah. Every team is looking to knock off the champs.
3: Yeah, honestly, I think that's better for us. Um, you know, we're going to get everyone's best game. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's just helping us going for uh, deeper in the season. Um, That'll be better for us as a team and as a group. And, um, you know, just going out there battling with those guys every day, it's going to be fun.
0: Go get them tomorrow night. And on Saturday night, Providence College in town to take on the national champion DU Pioneers. Our thanks to uh, Coach David Carl, of course on the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl as we broadcast tonight from Magnus Arena. And, uh, fellas, you were terrific. Thank you so much for uh, being patient and uh, spending as much time as you did with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks for having thanks. us. Thank you. And we'll see you next week with more on the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with David Carl as we uh, invite you to come out and see the Pioneers tomorrow night starting at 7, Saturday night at 6 against Providence College.